As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Crank up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Rolling back the years, cheese slices, the corridor of uncertainty, James War Prowse territory, pockets, areas, acute angles, no man's land, postage stamps, oceans of room, acres of space, and half a yard. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of $3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 65 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me to navigate our way around the modern football pitch. First of all, Charlie Eccleshare, how are you? I'm good, how are you Adam? Very well. Um, another chance for you to redeem yourself in uh, hit quiz segment Out of Control at the end of this episode. Are you looking forward to it? I'm excited, I'm nervous. I also, I think it's interesting that I only seem to do this. I don't get to do it against like your Dominic Diamonds who said that throughout the 90s he was just you know, having far too much fun to remember this sort of trivia. You, you do yeah. tend to put me up against nerds. Um, oh, no, no, you'll never, we'll never do this for star guests. This is just, this is, this is, this is for the shit munchers, definitely, absolutely. I, well, which I guess is good, you know, I, I'm only testing myself against the best. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah well, I'm, 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 I'm really looking forward to it, but I, of course I'm apprehensive. But if you can't get up for this sort of thing, then, you know, you're in the wrong industry. Too right. And speaking of the best, uh, alongside you is Michael Cox, author of um, specifically The Mixer, which will come in very handy today as we as we take a stroll around the modern football pitch. How are you doing, Michael? Very well. Uh, thank you for inviting me to this, I'd say, very vaguely tactical. But if I go too technical, please tell me to uh, 
you know, no, that's all right. If there's one place you can get technical, it will be this episode. But yeah, not too, not too deep. But let's let's begin with the adjudication panel, please. Um, first of all, uh, Michael, this one perhaps for you. Um, I've, I've, I've never really kind of considered this um, possibility before, but here goes. Dutch referee Danny Mackerley has sacked his own linesman. This was his assistant, Mario Dix, who failed to spot Cristiano Ronaldo's goal for Portugal against Serbia last month um, after it crossed the line. He's been sacked by the referee and will miss the Euros. This is what Dix had to say. This is a very, very big disappointment for me just before the European Championship. I was told by Makili that he wants to continue with another assistant because the confidence in our cooperation has gone. I really hope for more support, understanding and trust after the successful collaboration in recent years. Poor old Mario Dix. I mean, I, I mean, I know that they're kind of their teams these days, but I didn't know that that the referee had kind of overwhelming power to kind of decide who does what. Yeah, I, I assumed there was uh, someone else in charge of them. Yeah, I, that is news to me. I genuinely didn't know that could happen. I mean, McAuley was, um, he was like the VAR specialist at yeah, the, the last World Cup, wasn't he? So he's clearly been promoted and, and keen to stamp his authority <laughs> from the outset. <laughs> I mean, there's bound to be fascinating politics between all these teams. I'd, I'd really recommend the film Les Arbitres, which is a French oh, film yeah, yeah. from the year 2008. It, and it sounds kind of dry about the official, the team of officials at year 2008. It's genuinely really, really good and quite, um, quite sad in lots of parts, seeing the kind of ups and downs of you know being a much scrutinised linesman. But I'm sure at that point you couldn't just be you know firing your linesman. That seems that seems really harsh. By all accounts, it was on the cards because Mackley had relegated. <laughs> Dix from first assistant, which I didn't again I didn't know was a thing, to second assistant. kind of just edging right. him out. Yeah. <laughs> Think, oh Mario, you're you're in trouble here. But yeah, it's just ruined his summer. Does the first assistant get a choice of flags? Because <laughs> yeah. I prefer the one with the with courses rather than the so pure Battenberg yellow and what's the other one? It's just oh, pure right. yellow, oh, yeah. isn't it? The other yeah. one? Yeah. I'd be a, I'd be the Battenberg guy, hundred percent. But I wonder if that's some mismanagement. I mean, if he's already been demoted, it feels a bit like, you know, Mourinho gets criticised for throwing his players under the bus and then they don't react well. You know, if you're demoting him to second assistant, is it has the referee got a bit of um, blood on his hands in this whole sorry incident? But yeah, just, yeah, it feels particularly harsh. But again, I, I didn't realise this kind of politics exists. But yeah, Danny McAuley, brave stuff ahead of the Euros. And uh, apologies to Mario Dix. Hope you find yourself a new referee soon. It's a bit like, yeah, a bit like a breakup. It's terrible. On to lighter moments. Or is it? I mean, this is serious stuff, Charlie. Tuesday night was a tremendous night for Northern Irish football. They completed a 4-1 aggregate win over Ukraine to reach Euro 2022, their first major women's tournament. But the whole thing, and this whole joyous evening, was rather overshadowed by this tweet from their official account after half an hour. Uh, It went as follows. Um, Yellow card emoji. Cheese slice for Basanska. For a late challenge on Bex Holloway. A cheese slice, Charlie. I don't think I like this. I don't think I like this at all. What? A cheese slice. Have you ever heard that before? I have. I was sent it in a tweet recently and it, and the footage appeared to be from uh, an Australian um, A-League game from a couple of years ago. Which, I mean, Australian commentary is perhaps where you're more likely <laughs> to see this um, absurd phenomenon. But I, I think we can both agree that this is, this is a terrible development for, uh, for the language of football. Yeah, is that a kind of social media team... One, you know, having instructions to be, you know, be light, be fun. That's, you know, be, it doesn't have to be too serious. And then doing something like that and just, just getting it a bit wrong. Not a fan, Coxie, I assume? No, I can't really think of any any way I like that. I mean, the, the only thing I did think was there used to be a bit of, was it a Ron Atkinson thing? He used to compare the referee's pocket to a toaster. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, a bit so there's, yeah. there's a vague kind of cheese toasty theme there, but I don't I don't want to participate in it, no. When you had the circular red cards, that was more like a sort of baby bell, wasn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> or is it a tomato? And you're yeah. making a referee burger. <laughs> Just depends how much they really want to push that the cheese element. Mm. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't. But um, but I, I can't compete with the way Coxie described it as I can't find any way to like it, which is um, which is just yeah. I've never heard anyone describe it like that. But yeah, glad that you put some effort into at least finding some way. But no, cheese slice banned. Thank you. Finally, bombarded with tweets about this on Tuesday night um, <laughs> during PSG versus Bayern. BT Sports Paul Dempsey really, really fell in love with this phrase. Um, first of all, he described David Alabar as as rolling back the years uh, at the age of 28, Charlie. And then later on, uh, as Game of Thrones tells me, uh, he described Pochettino as having rolled back the years at the age of 49 and being a manager. Um, let's take each one in isolation. Charlie, first of all, I want you to um, talk me through the Alaba thing. I mean, what was Alaba doing three, four, five years ago that he just simply can't do now? I don't know. I haven't watched him enough. At 28, yeah, that's... I mean, he's he's been, in my mind, pretty consistent. But have managers ever been... I'm trying to. Th- I mean, I guess could you say like Trapattoni when he, you know when he was coming to his end of his career, like rolling back the years. But it's not something you really think about because it's quite a sort of physical thing. But maybe maybe <laughs> Sam Allardyce right now is rolling back the years. You know, we're I seeing don't, him. I don't think it works in kind of survival I mean, mode. But it, it it is a bit jarring. Also, just on that, we will return to this obviously. But what was the thing we were sent, Adam um, Paul Dempsey's intro from the first leg? I don't think we discussed that last week. That the Allianz Arena had been named like the third most sustainable stadium oh, in Europe. Yeah. But will they be sustaining themselves tonight? Oh, and he God. seemed almost aware of how sort of contrived it was. I, I, I quite liked it. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it was an analogy that just went on yeah. and on and on. But now, fair play. If, you, if you're going to go fully into it, then that's fine. But um, but Coxie, I mean, I mean, rolling back the years is a fairly vague concept anyway. I mean, it, it the, the general definition is is, you know, doing an act which you were known for a long time ago and in which you are generally regarded as being too old to perform consistently now. But how can that possibly apply to a manager? And in this case, Pochettino, presumably the implication was that Pochettino is leading his team towards the latter stages of the Champions League, which he did with Spurs, what, three years ago? Yeah, I don't think that one makes any sense on any level. I mean, Alaba, he presumably just... I mean, I, I immediately Googled how old Alaba yeah. was and expected him to be about 30. He was two years younger than that. So he... He just got that one wrong. But a manager, I can't really understand it. At all. I still think of Pochettino as like young, young. not necessarily up and coming, but certainly on the way towards probably his peak. You know, he's kind of manager I think probably will win the European Cup at some stage. So you can't roll back the years before your peak, I'm afraid. Actually, no. this is a good point. Charlie, I mean, we may have talked about this before, but when do managers stop being a young manager? I mean, I, can't, I think it's fairly context-proof as well. So there must be a strict age limit. Maybe you've got 50? Yeah, but I, what's interesting with that is I do think a lot of it is a sort of state of mind and how they look way yeah, more that, yeah. you know, it's not quite as strict as like a player because they're not going to like lose their pace. But there's this, like, you know, they sort of, some managers, lose like how old, is, how old is Graham Potter? He feels, I, I mean, very much. I would much say he, he's a young manager. He, yeah, he feels, he's, so he's 45, okay. But to me, he feels right, like he'll be yeah. a young manager for quite some time. He's got a lot of mm. that sort of bank. But I mean, yeah. Pochettino, I'd yeah, I don't know, and maybe maybe that is wrong, but yeah, like like Coxie, I still think of him as um, sort of exciting and and reasonably youthful. So maybe yeah, I guess a... up until fifty, but maybe that's changing. Yeah, I think fifty feels fine, but then maybe there's an element of sort of recent-ish playing career that comes into it as well. But I think I would have said David Moyes, for example, despite looking very old at all times, would still have been a young manager at fifty. 
uh, despite not knowing how old he is, I, I simply don't know. But I, yeah, I don't know. It troubles me. But I, we can't have managers rolling back the years. Uh, I think we're all in agreement about that. Let's get on to the main business of today's episode. We are going to measure and map the modern football pitch in 2021. There are so many little tiny little areas, Coxie, of the modern football pitch. Um, partly, I mean, again, this is a kind of a natural byproduct of the of the saturation coverage of football. We, we need to find new ways of talking about football. There's also an element of, of technical language that comes into it, um, you know, from from your kind of writing as well, you know, where where you're you're describing very, very specific moments, therefore require kind of technical moments. But but let's start with a mixer. I mean, you're you're very familiar with the term. What is it? Um, um, you know, what? What in kind of images it conjure up straight away? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said earlier. Was a the title I gave to the first book, and it's just fun because it's not a specific area. It's more uh, it implies uh, action rather than a specific part of it, or as much a specific part of the pitch, if that makes sense. But it, it's it's basically just lobbing the ball into the goal mouth, isn't it, and hoping for the best. I guess it's vaguely the same as pomo, which is a, obviously a much more specific, outdated words but broadly that kind of thing i just think of bodies in there i don't think you you can't put the ball into the mixer if you're never putting the ball into space are you no you're no, no, no the ball into traffic yeah and hoping for a lucky bounce i would say all right because because pomo pomo was was a speculative thing it's, you're never sort of creating it's not it's not xg like you're not creating a high quality chance you're just getting it into an area where things could potentially happen well, I think that's more. Sp- I think that was about ten yards out, level with the back post. But it was because you were meant to put the ball there s- as quickly as possible. Broadly speaking, I think you were also putting it into the mixer, weren't you? Well, the mixer is such an evocative phrase, Charlie, that um, that it seems to be gradually moving into uh, elsewhere in society. Thomas Carter writes in, I'm, "I'm a big fan of the mixer. Roughly between the penalty spot and three yards in front of the goal, I've heard people use it when moving from the periphery to the middle of a dance floor. I yeah. don't, I don't, I, oh, think, I don't know about that. I, I've not heard them. I think it's great. I mean, yeah, I've got friends who would say like, you know, you in the mixer tonight, or I mean, back when we actually could be in the mixer, obviously." Social distancing makes it very hard Meaning to get what? a mixer. Meaning sort of are you about, like, are you, uh, oh. you know, like, yeah, you kind of about later. I mean, I, I've definitely used it with friends in terms of, you know, when we've been at a gig and talking about where we're positioned. Because mm. there is very, ob- I mean, the mosh pit is essentially the mixer. Yes, I suppose it? it is, yeah. And, and like, I've, I've often thought, because I, I rarely, well, obviously not over last year, but I've rarely found myself in the mixer at a gig recently. And I've noticed that it's kind of similar to, like, when you get to this sort of age and you you lose your pace, you, drop you have back. to drop back into deeper <laughs> positions, which is exactly what I've been oh, doing at gigs. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I I really like the mixer in that particular phrase. Just can see you sort of with a snidey shirt tug in the mosh pit. That would be um, that'd be quite good. But yeah, I'm, I'm, this is a good good start, good exploration of the mixer. It's, just, it's more sophisticated and more versatile than I expected. So this is good, but not perhaps the corridor of uncertainty, Charlie, which which is kind of very much among the kind of classics mm. of football cliches. Perhaps in the modern classics. I know we stole it from cricket, but that's as much as I want to talk about cricket. Um, <laughs> but the corridor of uncertainty is, is a great. Again, it's a very evocative thing because it, again, it plays on. The general theme of supporters being terrified of something about to happen. So it's more about the defence than it is about the attack, isn't it? Yeah, and I this may be um, forgive me for being very Premier League football didn't exist four ninety two centric, but I do remember in my mind I remember this term evolving and kind of entering into use. I don't remember it always being there, and I actually think it is a really good way of describing um, 
that area of the pitch and you imagine you know those low crosses and and because there was you know that thing that you put it in that corridor and it it might be an own goal but whatever it is it's just a kind of nightmare to defend but th- do you do you guys remember that like was it i, I think don't know, you're was it like right. early 2000s i feel like it sort of started to be used? i think you're right it perhaps it went through the same sort of evolution as that free kick technique that's mm. kind of ascribed to drogba and ronaldo where it was it got into that phase where commentators kind of felt the need to explain what they were talking about but didn't have a name for it and um, so I get yeah, vague memories of Andy Gray saying that area between yeah. the goalkeeper and, the, and just saying, oh, it's, you know, yeah. do I come? Do I stay? That sort of thing. And perhaps it, it needed a name. But yeah, I don't quite remember maybe in the 90s it being a thing. But, it, but Coxie, it works perfectly. Yeah, it does. I mean, I completely agree with what Charlie said. I remember the first few times I heard it thinking, mm, that's a cricket phrase. It works in cricket. Does it work here? Mm. And actually it does. It's the same concept. Yeah. You know, the defenders are almost scared to product the ball you know, because it's going to be an own goal. They're not sure whether the keeper's coming. So, yeah, I really like it. I think it's a nice phrase. And it's just a nice, it just sounds, I mean, it sounds like something from, a, I don't know, Hogwarts or something, mm. doesn't it? I think it's, <laughs> yes, I think it's it does, great, it the does. corridor of uncertainty. The Marauder's yeah, map shows um, us in the corridor of uncertainty. Someone pointed out that it's, it's perhaps the only kind of space-related phrase in football that, that relates to somewhere that could be indoors, Um uh, I suppose you could have you could have roof of the net, but that's an outdoor thing. I I, I can't think of it. Mm. Mean, you could have the wall, I suppose, but that's that's not a place. I I didn't research it thoroughly enough, so I have to agree. Moving slightly further out, uh, Charlie, you may remember we talked about the D recently and uh, how we could perhaps rename it Greater Goldmouth, which I'm, I'm sticking to. I feel like Greater Goldmouth is a really, really nice way of doing it. Um, ben Wilson writes in and says, a bit tangential. I've been a football fan my entire life and have always been too embarrassed to admit that I have no idea what the D is for. Also, the D is a rubbish name. Charlie, it, it, it's a funny kind of little gap in people's knowledge. Like people obviously, they, they know what the D looks like and they've, you know, they've watched football for years and years, but some of them just don't know what it's for. And I kind of forgive them for that because you just think at it and go, okay, maybe I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought for a while, I remember someone once saying to me that you couldn't take a free kick inside the D. And I sort of believed them. I was like, uh, oh, right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And then I just saw loads of free kicks from taking in there, and it turned out that wasn't the case. But I, I think some people that... just think it's like decorative, like it's just there to just to look nice. Like uh, uh, I don't know, it's maybe it's kind of like a um, evolutionary hangover from an old rule, and they just forgot to get rid of it. I, I also recall, like as a popular urban myth at school, people thought that that was part of the penalty area. So I experienced what Charlie did. I mean, I when you think about it, the only real consequence of the D is that it makes it more likely that a penalty taker is going to score a penalty from a rebound from the own penalty mm. which we can all agree is probably the worst type of goal in football it just really if, if you miss a penalty yeah, it's so unfair, you shouldn't get a second opportunity and and just because that means they get the what two four six yard head start is it maybe on, on players who have to be outside that yeah I'd get rid of it what I also think, Coxie, with that that's so annoying is that they'll when you look at it, they won't ha- it won't go down as a pen. It will go down as just a normal goal. And it feels so unfair that they're getting... It actually looks better, despite the fact that it is, like, as you say, the worst kind of goal you can score. I feel... Maybe, it's, maybe it should be kind of, like, officially denominated as, as like, a penalty rebound or something like that. I mean, like, I feel like mm. hockey would do it. Hockey would say, no, it wasn't a proper goal, yeah. it was a penalty rebound. And maybe football should start kind of... I don't know. I think you're right. I, it is a lower class of goal. Especially in the obsession with non-penalty goals that we see 
um, in yeah. an XG world. It feels crazy that you'd get uh, that that would sort of count. It really annoys me when players actually go wild celebrating. <laughs> I really think if you celebrate, you've got to have a look of phew, got away yeah. with that one on your face. You can't go mad and run to the fans and that. You just can't. No, it's a very, very fair point. Uh, ben Wilson continues. I, and I also think this is a very fair point. He says, I wonder why when football pitches were designed, they chose to add a D for penalties so that, you know, players have to remain 10 yards from the ball in a 360 degree situation but not for corners you'd think corners would be more useful as they happen more frequently this might be the most boring tweet i've ever sent but no coxie this is fine i mean people people care about players being 10 yards from a corner taker and all we've got is those tiny little lines and which which really pissed off kevin de bruyne actually earlier this season i remember and uh, we should have we should have a big d around the corner it's fine that would look good yeah it does make sense the little what do you call them little notches they're I mean, rubbish I, I, I don't like lines just outside the pitch anyway. <laughs> okay. I just don't think that should that should happen. So yeah, it makes sense from corners. I, I think that's a, a good shout, especially now. Probably more corners are played short, aren't they, than before? So there's probably more need to uh, make sure everyone is the required distance back. Yeah, imagine, Charlie. Imagine the scenes in like the last two minutes of a tense Champions League tie when all the players have to have to stand on the edge of that ten minutes, uh, sort of ten yard D. While a team wastes time, that would infuriate so many people. That force field. Is is the pitch, <laughs> just thinking about it, like, is the pitch the least tampered with area since the start of football? I mean, it does feel kind of sacri- sacrosanct, all of it, if you were to start In a modern lines. context, definitely. I mean, we had we had sort of a very odd-shaped penalty area back in well, the early 20th century. But I'm pretty sure it hasn't changed since, I don't know, the first World Cup. I think you're right. I mean, if you see very old photos of football, there often is a weirdly small centre circle, isn't there? Right. Almost like a two-yard centre circle, which um, which I, I don't really understand. We don't that. need the centre. I don't think we need that. I don't. If there was one thing I, I would happily remove from football pitch, I don't think we need the centre circle. I don't think. We I bro- need. Yeah, I, I broadly agree. I wouldn't wouldn't argue with that at all. Wouldn't be um, a game's gone for you. No, definitely no, no. Well, potentially. I mean, quite literally, <laughs> for someone it would be, be removing. Removing an aspect of the I game. I mean, uh, but, but you can go for... I mean, the six-yard box is not particularly relevant <laughs> when you think about yeah. it. I mean, if, if they if they change it so you could take goal kicks on the edge of your own penalty box... That would be fine. Would, would that matter? I mean, I think a junior football would probably be quite useful, mm. wouldn't it? Cause, Most you know, goalkeepers wouldn't bother yeah. either. I mean, they'd just be like, oh, I'm not walking all the way over there to take a goal kick. Um, this reminds me of a, a far more important point. Um, uh, I feel I feel almost drawn to you first with, with this Coxie sort of centre spots and penalty spots. Do you want them to be a like a proper dot, or w- are you happy with it being a little circle? <laughs> this I've is important. Thought, I've never thought yes, about you this have. before. And, you bloody and have. Now, and yet now I have. I mean, my memory of kind of Sunday league football would be, be like a really obvious dot. Just looks really messy, doesn't it? Just a big dollop of paint. <laughs> yeah. So I basically want to avoid that wherever possible. But it's a, a great question. Uh, it's more sophisticated, Charlie, to have a little O, isn't it, rather than? Yeah, I, 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 I know what Coxie means. You don't want that big sort of splodgy thing. It's just, mm. it's a bit, it's a bit of an eyesore. Do either of you do circles over your eyes when you're writing in lowercase? No, I'm not six years old. Or <laughs> sorry, sorry, I. I don't. I think I still do it sometimes, but I very rarely write really? in lowercase, so I just don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, I can't I remember. I'd probably, probably be saving it for like a birthday card. Birthday card. Yes. Or something, <laughs> you know. That's more hearts, isn't it? 
yeah. <laughs> of all the tangents to go down, I'm really glad we went down this one. Um, yeah, but yeah, this is, this is the podcast for it. You know it is. Um, let's move slightly further out. Now, Charlie, the channels. The channels are, I mean, less evocative. It's more of a technical term, but I, st- I still think um, when you talk about the channels, you're talking about progressive football and things possibly happening for exciting players. Dennis Hussey says, I am unsure where exactly the channels begin and end. Perhaps some additional lines could be painted on the pitch to mark them out. Let's stop repainting the pitch. Let's stop that. But <laughs> a very good question. Where do channels start? Well, you know, but that, is it a but final thirty thing? Yeah, I think so. But it's interesting, um, the idea that it's associated with like good attacking play. Because I think of working the channels as quite a sort of functional... Okay. You know, you'll have a team with a guy who... A, a striker who's pretty physical and is good at working the channels, you know, which means he can move from that central position out wide and kind of occupy defenders, maybe win, maybe win free kicks. Um, mm. Is kind of is is my. So it's um, not all possession based. It's it's. Yeah, I don't think related. so. I think it's mm. more. And maybe that's specifically working the channels. I think working the channels is a bit more um, kind of industrial in approach. Mm. No, you're right. Definitely. I mean, I, I think of it quite specifically as. You know, if you're playing against a four-man defence, basically the space between the centre-back and the full-back, kind of getting out there, working the channels. For me, it's a, it's a striker who's not he's not looking for long balls into central positions. It's Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy, for me, is always running the channels. He's yeah. obviously a more glamorous name than you would probably think of it naturally. It's gaps between players horizontally, for me. I was thinking sort of um, that era, sort of mid-2000s onwards, when... Strikers who just simply couldn't score enough goals but had quite a lot of pace were starting to sort of be moved out to a the wide role in a four three three. Gabby Bonlahor being a very <laughs> good example. So he's not going to score enough goals, but he will run the channels for you. And I feel like that was a lease of life, Charlie, for a whole set of players. The channels mm. became a thing. Oh, this is actually, you know, this is where I ply my trade. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to score you thirty a season, but by God, I will do you a job in the channels. But also, and I know we'll come on to it, but Coxie, just talking about the the sort of space in between the center back and fullback where does kind of half spaces fit into that and do you like i don't mind half spaces i think half spaces is one of those phrases that you kind of know what it means but it, it, i reckon stan collymore would not tolerate oh, it, half space. it triggers a lot of people <laughs> kind of like what's a half space it's a space or it's not a space kind of thing but i i think you can i can kind of imagine a half space would, would that i mean that is very technical that's a real like german coaching school thing where they want the pitch in five vertical bands. So you've got the two wings, which is outside the penalty box. You've got the centre that is the width of the centre circle and the, the space between that are the half spaces. And it's called the half spaces because in old football parlance, that was the space where you would have the half back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it does so sound, it, it, it sounds like it, a traditional phrase. I mean, yeah. You, you it, say it's it makes come sense, from yeah. some sort of, you know, ultra modern German tactical blogs, but... I mean, even even just sort of dividing the pitch up like that sounds like something they might they might have done in the nineteen twenties or something like that. So it does feel quite traditional. I almost think people who probably hear it for the first time almost conflate it with a kind of half a yard of pace mm-hmm. kind of thing. Do you mean that kind of meaningless half? Right. Whereas actually there there is a reason for it. I've been personally I've been reluctant to use it in articles. I tend to just go for channels. Yeah. Because I I just think people have less objection to that mm. and it broadly means the same thing. Okay. But yeah, I would I, I think we've I think we've got it right here. So Charlie, channels are more industrial industrious, perhaps, than half spaces, which are a little bit more maybe technical. And um, is it fair to say, Coxie, that half spaces is more about possession, like when where you get the ball rather than when you're sort of placing yourself 
Yeah, and, and certainly in terms of the structure of, of teams and players and, you know, managers wanting to attack with five players in each of the channels. So two of them are in the half spaces. But, I mean, Guardiola and Klopp have, have said it in press conferences. So it clearly is a thing. And I think De Bruyne has, has referred to it as well. So it's not a, it's not just purely a... a you know, not just tactical for, for nerds. Yeah, no, with their tactical I feel like blogs. it's fine. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I feel like it's it's being marketed really well for the sixty year olds who go. Yeah, do you know what? <laughs> I would have read that in in uh, Shoot magazine when I was twelve. Can um, I just ask as well? Um, I raised this with Adam a couple of weeks ago, Coxie. But I know as a Sunes uh, acolyte like yourself, you, you mentioned the half yard of space. The he talked about yard of aggression. Have you ever heard that before? And what do you make of that? <laughs> no. Measuring aggression in yard, they just need an no, extra yard no, of aggression. No, no. No, that that just doesn't. It does. You mix it. I was like saying a pint of rice or something. Like that. It, just, it just absolutely doesn't work. Sorry. You can have a pint of rice. That's fine. I, mean, I wouldn't no. use it. I mean, it'd be a really weird thing to use in an ingredient list, but it'd be a pint of rice. Jamie Oliver's pint. Whacking a pint of rice. But yeah, love this. Love this. Maybe this is this is far less technical, but I am still fascinated by the um by by the kind of the unraveling of it over time. Charlie, and that's um, that's kind of territory in free mm. kick situations. I feel like James Ward-Prowse is now yeah. the sovereign ruler of that territory. I mean, I'm being very Anglo-centric here. There may be other European uh, claimants to this territory, but James Ward-Prowse very much. Yeah. Because, because it isn't about his free kick record. It's not about his technique. It's not about his prowess. It's not about Prowse's prowess. It's about... It's about the anticipatory thing. When when Southampton gets a free kick, it then builds up. I, I went to try and make a montage of it, and really annoyingly, I couldn't find enough examples of commentators saying, which ruined it slightly. <laughs> but still, it's very much an anticipatory thing, isn't it? I, I noticed that in the England, the recent England games. I think it was said, uh, possibly in the uh, was the first one, the San Marino one. Yeah, and and you're right as well. You, you were talking about it before, weren't we? That like there aren't that many. I mean, be- there was obviously Beckham territory. Would there have been like Roberto Carlos territory? I mean, I know that was everyone will tell you that was anyone. a fallacy, and he barely ever scored a free kick. But he was <laughs> yeah, certainly don't get started a Roberto Carlos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kick. But certainly in in the minds of you know like most youngsters who saw that Latournois one, you, you know, if it was in I don't know forty odd yards, like, yeah, this is this is Carlos territory. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was the thing I like about James Ward-Prowse territory is he scores a very specific type of free kick from a very specific place on the pitch. I don't like it when they say Cristiano Ronaldo territory because Ronaldo will shoot from almost anywhere. Mm. He'll shoot from the wing. Yeah. He'll shoot from 40 yards. The right. territory is... It's a waste. There's no Ronaldo territory. He thinks of the whole opposition half as his territory. Whereas Warprowse territory, that is very specific. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I think you should use it sparingly and only when it's deserved. And not necessarily just... Not because they're good at free kicks, but because they take it from a very specific place. I completely agree. Um, of course, that territory is where players pull rank. mm Charlie, I love pulling rank at set pieces um, <laughs> because, again, I mean, as with many things we talk about in this podcast, it's one of those weird preoccupations of, of commentators and co-commentators who feel like they have to say it when they see it unfolding, and it, when they see other players walking away, they they will update us. Well, they, actually, he's he's walking out. He won't be involved in this one, and so and so is taking charge. Maybe it ties into this like obsession we have with captaincy and leadership, um, you know, and often. I think now for people who are obsessed with that, there aren't enough tangible examples of that. But that is that can be that example that we really want to see of like what does a captain do? Well, yeah, they've they've pulled rank here and they are they're going to take this free kick. Um, and as I you mean, said before, I, that gives the chance to talk about the knuckleball technique that we see God. so many players using. Yeah, 
I mean, I always find it strange when, you know, when you get snippets of players' instructions and you realise how specifically they are structured on the pitch. I always find it odd that the manager hasn't just said, you know what, you're going to take the free kick yeah. today. Because it's quite, it's quite a fundamental part of the game to just... I mean, I remember... This was probably when they're five new up or something, but I remember Bayern Munich players doing rock paper scissors, scissors. paper scissors, yeah, to decide who. Oh, was no, 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 wait, 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 wait. What are we calling it? And I, I, I remember rock, paper, about scissors. it a while ago because I was like, I don't. It, there's a UK and English thing going on. It scissors paper stone is what I used to call it, but rock paper scissors is the official. They actually have tournaments for it. So. I think I would go rock paper scissors. Yeah. That's that's yeah. all I've always yeah always gone rock paper scissors. Producer Dave says that is correct. So so neither of you so you both don't put little circles over your eyes and you call it rock paper scissors. What kind of life have you been living? Weird. Did did that actually happen, Coxie? They 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 played rock paper yeah, scissors. Yeah yeah yeah. It it was I think it, it involved one of Rubri and Robin ah, and okay. someone else. But that's all right. It's for penalties. Is penalties is where it's very odd. But under Guardiola, they had that terrible run with penalties, didn't they? Where they kept missing penalties, certainly in his first season. So I don't know if that was at the same time, but that doesn't necessarily speak to a winning strategy. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it does always seem really surprising on free kicks and penalties. Like, has, have they not accounted for the, the possibility they might get a free kick 25 yards out? I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind the manager deciding. I don't mind pulling rank. I don't mind a discussion about who it suits according to the angle and the the distance but i'm not having pure luck involved it just i find that bizarre this is one of many situations where you see players kind of conferring often you know with their mouths behind their hands charlie and it I, and whilst i can probably imagine what they're discussing i want to know i want to know what they're saying to each other when there's a free kick sort of quite far out still shootable but quite far out and there's a right footer and there's a left footer and they're talking and what do you think they're saying and I, what I really hope they're saying is, is, oh, I've got to get this up and down or something, you know, something a co-commentator would say. I really hope they're just saying that crap. Yeah, it's, you know what? It's, it may be a bit too close for me to get up I and down. I think this favours this favors yeah. my left foot. <laughs> this might, fa- might favour a left footer. We must really have covered, in the Games Gone episode, we must have covered that talking over the co- covering mouths. Must have been. I mean, that that is Definitely. another thing that gets yeah. people really wound up. Yeah, I would I would love to know um, how how technical they get or if it is just the, the exact same debates that we're having at home as we yeah. watch I, again it might just be mind games for the opposition we're, 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 we're overthinking this but actually we're really not let's get even vaguer now Coxie commentators and co-commentators love talking about areas those areas and I I, 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 I my brain says this in Don Goodman's voice but it's those <laughs> kinds of areas what are we talk what are we talking about here because there there seems to be the kind of this implication that some damage can be done in these places but I want to know where they are yeah i mean they're completely undefined the fact that it's those rather than that almost hints at the fact that there's no <laughs> specific where it's a little bit and we might come onto it but it's a bit like pockets of space you know it's it's never he needs to get into that pocket it's just those pockets of space which i guess uh you know it varies according to the situation of the game, but I agree, it's uh, it's a funny little uh, funny little phrase. It doesn't really mean anything. Sometimes like it's kind of you'll talk about those areas that defenders don't want to go to. You know, yeah. he, as a striker, he's very good. He takes you into those areas you, you don't want to go to as a defender. <laughs> um, and again, I don't. I, I 
guess where is... I mean, maybe that's into those half spaces, into the channels, but it's not really said. Producer Dave um, suggested this, and this is very, very subtle, but I think there's some meaning behind it. He says, we need an examination of why it's that near post area and not the near post area. And I think it's because um, when you use words like that and those, you're you're sort of very subtly implying that there are things that happen here which some people may or may not want to happen, but I'm not going to explain them to you. <laughs> so that near post area where, you know, where bad things happen, goalkeepers can see goals that they'll be really disappointed with and strikers will nip in ahead of their markers. So it's, it's quite loaded, Charlie. Yeah, and also I think by using that or those, it suggests it's something we've spoken about before and there's a sort of yeah, tacit yeah, understanding. Yeah. Were you that, not you know, listening? Yeah, it's, it, you yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's that near post area. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, then yeah. the extension of that is the capitalised that goal or whatever which yeah. oh, I know, which... oh i hate that i really hate that i actually do hate that yeah I, may, I hate it more in print than i do in speech i'm kind of okay with it when someone's saying everybody remembers that goal at the camp new but um, the best I as well think... is when you'll get it on social media accounts and it will be things that just are so many miles away from qualifying for that you know it'll be like <laughs> that night under the lights or you know that steve lomas header and you're like is that, <laughs> is that a that moment yeah completely agree completely on board with that stop thatting everyone but that does not uh, that does not uh, include that man which is which is sacred <laughs> and absolutely fine uh, Coxie let's talk about pockets because pockets are more specific than areas but I still feel they're a bit more casual they are still casual they're still casually thrown about but they are they serve more of a purpose than simply areas yeah I agree but pockets of space I'd say they're probably between the lines, aren't they? They're probably not dead central. They're probably... I'd call them kind of David Silver areas. I knew, I think, I'm glad you said yeah. that. That's who I had in my head as well. So not yeah. number 10 kind of players. Yeah. And I think, you know, less so because he's, uh, he's only been around for a couple of seasons. But I think Mason Mount is, is very much a pockets kind of player, isn't he? But I quite like it. I'm not sure it means anything really meaningful, but it is quite a... Uh, it's somehow quite an exciting phrase, I would say. I like it. Coxie, you'll, you'll hate this. You'll now hate the phrase. But I remember in rugby, um, at the 2003 World Cup, it became a very defined space, the pocket. And it was where you'd go for a drop goal. And it's where Johnny Wilkinson was. He dropped into the pocket for the winning drop goal uh, in the 2003 World Cup. So, That's and I don't, a similar concept. Yeah, it is. And I, I can't remember exactly when which came first. But um, yeah, it's a very specific area in rugby, whereas I guess it's a little more vague in football. But, you, but you're right with like Mount and those players. I think there are so many England players now who, who really want to occupy those pockets of space so we know roughly where a pocket of space is it, it's it's you know between the opposition defensive midfield ideally where you can wreak havoc but as roman thompson writes in coxie he says how big exactly is a pocket of space it's a good question how big is a pocket? Well, I, I think it's defined by where the opponent's are, isn't it mm. i mean you know I think you can... Uh... Is Maradona in a pocket in that famous photo, that famously misleading photo against Belgium in 1982? Oh, no, I... Oh. Very pocket-esque. Yeah, may, maybe. But I, I would say it's more like, you know, if you get a Monday Night Football analysis and, you know, Carragher would draw lines between four defenders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just there, yeah. in the pocket of space. So it's for me, it's kind of constantly shifting. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, so uh, this is actually this is quite handy. So in a Monday night football context, uh, as, well, this could be the defining thing. Then, Charlie, in a, in a Monday night football analysis context, how would you draw the pocket? Are you doing like the kind of polygon mm. with all the different points, or, or could you do it with a circle that just expands to fill? Uh, until you hit an opposition player that's that is the ruling <laughs> yeah i think that's a really good way of looking at it because the pocket 
Yeah, the whole point is that you are, you're kind of in splendid isolation. That's the skill, isn't it, of finding pockets of space. So you kind of want to see how isolated you are, you know, how how big that the circle's is. more damning the circle is used by analysts to show there was nobody near him yeah he's exactly. got into this little pocket of space whereas i think the the polygons are more to show where players are in relation to other players as well as space so mm. yeah i think the circle's more damning match of the day would use it yeah exactly um, you know how, how is he able to keep finding these pockets yeah yeah agreed um oh good good pocket chat everyone well done looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's talk about some more sort of slightly narrative areas of the pitch. First of all, Charlie, this is what goalkeepers hate, no man's land. Daniel Becker says, please clarify how far off their line the goalkeeper needs to be in order to enter no man's land. I mean, again, a very context-heavy situation. This is yeah. about what, it, it, it's a combination of where they are and what they're doing. So what are you, what, what are you picturing here and where? Well, no man's land, yeah, as you say, what is one man's sweeper-keeper. I mean, Neuer, back in the day, would have constantly been what we perceive as no man's land. But it, it, I think no man's land is, is um, you know, it, it's when you're unsure. You, you don't really commit to, you come rushing out, but you're not getting anywhere near it. So I would think like edge of the box, but... I, I, I would say it's, I don't really like it with a sweeper-keeper situation. I think it's really for a cross. I think it's a cross where the goalkeeper's half come and they're not in a position to catch the cross, nor are they in a position on their line to stop the shot, and they end up they end up being easily lobbed by a header. For oh, you example. think that you think that's no man's land? Okay, well that's a, that's mm, very. I know exactly what you mean. They they do a sort of little dance of uncertainty where they realise, oh my god, I've got absolutely no idea, what and they end do. up just frozen. Yeah, because they yeah. start to move back, but you can't move back. Yeah, so then they are firmly in no man's land for me. Well, we could use that as no man's land because there is an acceptable. Um, successor to no man's land if we do want to move it and that's gone walkabout when <laughs> yeah. when when that is really is where hapless goalkeepers because i i honestly think and again very very doubtful that anyone has ever discussed this before but i don't think there is a better gate in football than a terrified backpedaling goalkeeper who um, a very good example is when uh, again Carnu against chelsea where de Hoy came out thought I'm going to deal with this, realised he couldn't. And there's that moment where yeah. it's almost sort of Frank Spencer-esque where they think, oh, no, I've got to turn around and do Oh, no. But there is a moment where they stop accelerating forward and 
before they start moving again where there's just this nothing and they think oh shit that's so <laughs> true actually because that is one of the great thing one of the great things in sport is when suddenly like elite athletes just look so all at sea and that that's that backpedaling you're suddenly yeah. like this this well, just looks so amateurish it's pretty much any time a goalkeeper has to run at full speed because yeah. goalkeepers should by, yes. by definition really their job should never require them to do it another so when great they do one have to run really quickly they look fucking ridiculous like what are you doing a brilliant one of that is when a keeper will come out of his box and head it away for a throw in and then an opposition player will try and take a quick throw and he's just like at, trying to get back to his goal line as quickly as yeah, he there's can that famous <laughs> dean saunders one for sheffield yeah, United, yeah, yeah yeah and where he threw it against the goalkeeper paul musselwhite and again it's that brilliant sort of sitcom level slapstick situation where he goes oh shit so good so good yeah panicking goalkeepers coxie the best type of biomechanics as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think gone walkabout is, for me, that is when a goalkeeper's almost, I don't think he should, well, he should be walking. It shouldn't be a sprint for me. It should be like Higita in, you know, being robbed by Roger Miller. And can I just say, you slip this in without even really stopping to consider it, but I love the cliche all at sea. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just said the defence, well, it's just a brilliant, I, I don't know where it comes from, mm-hmm. but I absolutely love that. It's fantastic. So, that, so that's that's for an entire defence, isn't it? Uh, similarly, at sixes and sevens. But yeah, that's in for entire, you have to be an entire defence, so at least you're not alone in the sea on your own. But yeah, gone, gone walkabout, I'm pretty sure you've, a goalkeeper has come out to deal with something and done it badly. Um, sort of, you know, maybe that bouncing ball where they don't know whether to kick it or head it, and the defender's coming towards them. It's not simply Neuer sort of occupying that space. So it isn't. So yeah, gone walkabout is more context specific, I think. But this is good. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy to, to reconsider No Man's Land, but also it's very much where goalkeepers find themselves when they're lobbed and there's nothing they can do about it at all. So um, let's let's not be too hasty with this. It's interesting as um, well, just with another. Like I remember learning when learning. Tent being taught tennis that the area between the baseline and the service line is no man's land. That's where you really, really don't want to be. So it's quite a specific, uh, specific area. Like you're not there to volley, and you're also not on the baseline to hit ground strokes. That that is perfect, isn't it? That is a perfect no man's land. Yeah, it really uh, yeah. is. Yeah, I think I think football it has to football has to be based around that, doesn't it? You're neither doing that or you're doing that. But tennis, that is a really great show. But this this is really good. I'm, I'm, I'm learning now that it isn't a static thing. Like Areas of the pitch are very dependent on what's happening at the time and not simply prescribed before the game or, or in theory. This is really great. Charlie, moving on. This, I feel, is a very uh, real preoccupation for co-commentators. They hate this. And this is when players are going nowhere when they're fouled. Yeah, when they're fouled. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, I mean... He's this going absolutely specific, nowhere. Yeah, he's going absolutely nowhere. What yeah. a silly foul. I, I mean, that is one, to be fair, as a fan, I do find that infuriating when a player's yeah, sure. going nowhere. They're sort of mm. moving away from goal by the corner flag and someone will just sort of like bump into them. Ah, okay. Bone of contention already. So you think it's, you think it's by the corner flag? Because to, to me, that's not going nowhere. That's, that's, that's a position of potential opportunity. But they're sort of Popo, moving away like. from goal. So that's mm. why they're going nowhere. Um mm. And some, and it's like they're they're sort of just happy to be, you know, they're they're not doing anything, they're no threat, and then you just sort of go too close to them, you know, he feels the contact, um, goes down, and then you're suddenly defending a set piece against a Sam Allardyce team or something. Going nowhere to me, Coxie is is a player sort of running back towards their own goal in the opposition half, sort of trying to restart an attack, and then he's fouled. That to me is the ultimate going nowhere because 
it is in the most benign part of the pitch in that particular moment. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I would, um, I'd say it's less about location, more just about direction, isn't it? It's it's going towards your own goal or the touchline or the corner flag. Yeah, but it's somewhere there's, you know, it, it's if you're going nowhere, it's the kind of thing where Sunday league players shout, no foul, no foul, no foul. <laughs> um, that's, for me, pretty much the same thing. I'm Followed a huge a shouter of no foul. Yeah. I, my, my record of fouls not being committed after I've shouted no foul <laughs> must be up in the 90s. Um, people, I, no one listens to me more, including this podcast, than when I shout no fouls no fouls I'm going to do it tonight if I decide to see what happens I'd actually know you're only supposed to do it as a goalie what am I doing what am I talking about you can't I'll be talking to myself nonsense doesn't work moving on the wide areas Charlie now the wide areas is, the, is possibly the vaguest way we can describe it you can have the wing you can have the flank which uh, as Maracas Flute writes in it says I don't think it's hugely outdated but flanks feels pleasantly Victorian given it has battle connotations attacking down both flanks are you a flank fan? I, I like. I, I know. I know what um, Maracas flute uh, means. There, I do, I do quite like that um, sort of antiquated appeal. But I would. I don't think I would use it. They're attacking down the flanks. Mm, I can't really. Imagine. I feel. I feel like that's a bit jarring. I think I would just say down the wings or flanks is very second mention, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd go straight in with that. <laughs> oh, let's just change it to the second mention podcast. I don't second care about would be football. That would be amazing. I just want to talk about second mentions yeah. until I die. That's all I care about. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, flanks. Second mention all the way. Coxie, Phil Battersby says a player could be hugging the touchline and yet it's not possible to hug any area of the pitch. Agreed? Yeah, he's spot on. Can't think of anything else you could you could hug. You could be a goal hanger, of course, but you can't. Oh, good, yeah, but yeah, not yeah, a good. goal hugger. Lineker would have been a goal hugger. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can be a goal hanger and you can hug the touchline, but I feel like you can't directly interact with any other part of the pitch. You could cover every blade of grass. Yeah, mm. I, I, not not as intimately as you do the touchline, anyway. Chalk on boots. This is very old-fashioned, Coxie. It's not. I mean. Inverted wingers are kind of killing the chalk on boots phenomenon. Yeah, I, I quite like. It's probably one of those things. The first time I heard it, I thought that's good. So yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. I remember the first time I heard it, and the same. I was like, I quite yeah. like that. Maybe yeah. it was. I mean, because it came at the same time of, in my mind anyway, the sort of dying breed of, um, you know, wingers who would chalk their boots. So maybe it came. The reverence of it came as a response to the inverted wingers, where because back in the day, all wingers would have chalked their boots again, and also they they would have always worn black boots as well, mm. which I would say makes the the imagery more yeah romantic. Yeah, chalking like an orange pair of boots is less evocative. So I'm just trying to download a PDF from the FA's website. Uh, entitled Guidance Notes on Line Marking of Football. And, and the tantalising Google preview tells me what, what the actual paint is made of. Um, so we can talk about whether we can update this. But it's not going to let me open it, which is hugely infuriating. Damn you, the Football Association. Uh, but I can see the word emulsion. So he might have emulsion on his boots, which is um, <laughs> the only way we can perhaps update it. But yeah, uh, or her boots. Maybe, yeah, maybe that is a little bit antiquated. It, it, well, in, it in tennis, the chalk got replaced by titanium pigment. Oh, and so there was this whole thing about like you know you could McEnroe could no longer say chalk flew up; it would be <laughs> titanium pigment flew up. Yeah, it, it it doesn't evoke enough for me to to keep it in the language, and it's not a technical term, so it it doesn't really have a home anymore. Chalk on boots. I'm about to blow your minds. Well, probably not because you've actually read it in the running order already. But 
you know, Charlie, the, the phrase postage stamp, which we are so familiar with in this country as being at the top corner, or as some people call it, top bins. Uh, but over in Denmark, <laughs> over in Denmark, writes Emil, it says, I don't know if this is used anywhere else, but in Denmark, the corner zones are often referred to as the postage stamps. In his little grid, he refers to them as uh, number one, number three, number 16 and number 18, which will mean nothing to anybody who can't see it. And he says a common instruction will be to aim for the postage stamps with long balls. So so postage stamps is the corners of the pitch. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah, that would take a big readjustment, though, wouldn't it? I mean, because postage stamp <laughs> is postage so... Stamp. Yeah, <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? Um, yeah, postage it, stamp is so entrenched. It would, But it would go really well with box them in. But box them in by aiming for the postage stamps. Well, no, because you're sending something. You're sending a big parcel, and you've got to put a stamp on it. Right, right. And you're see, boxing yeah. them into the corner. It all. Nice. I, all uh, producer Dave, she says you can only have stamps in one corner, though, which feels unnecessarily mm. pedantic. Unnecessary. Mm. No, no, that's that, that's completely spot on. That's that. I mean, that's literally where the postage stamp goes. Surely, you would never ever put a postage stamp in the top left corner, would you? You wouldn't refer to the top left-hand corner of the goal as the postage stamp. I do have some objections to that. Really? No! I've never. I, that's amazing. Yeah, 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 I yeah, think yeah. that's great. Incredibly strict. I, I love that I like sort of pedantry, but I've ne- that's never occurred to me when you know po- when a postage stamp has been talked about. Pedantry is fine. Pedantry is fine, but um, that it is that's unworkable. I, it, it's basically ever, discrimination. Have, it's discrimination. Have you're you discriminating ever, against players who put it in the top left-hand corner? And also, what about people who are looking at the goal from behind? I was going to say that does then. What about the fans, Coxie? What about the fans? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't care about them. Uh, no, I mean, have you ever put a postage stamp top left on a, an envelope? I, 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 I second guess every single time I put a, a stamp on it because I, I post things so infrequently I cannot remember and I think to myself is this the place do I have to put it straight what happens if I don't put it in the right place I'm exactly the same when I, get, I, when I get put in prison I, because, again I will send them so infrequently that I intermittently will Google what side do you put those <laughs> and just hope that like no one's hell. monitoring this and realising what a complete moron I am but like Adam says because if I, if I got it wrong the consequences would be catastrophic oh, there's no terrible. blue ticks as well when you post something you just wouldn't yeah. know going through this ether <laughs> but no that doesn't extend to football it doesn't extend to football postage stamps is either corner surely surely uh, but over in Denmark completely different different set of rules don't know what they call the top corner uh, anybody from Denmark let us know um, that leads us inevitably onto row Z which Charlie as Simon 1927 writes um, hitting a ball into row Z really isn't that impressive in the modern ground you should be aiming for JJ or or maybe more Z again, is, it's not very high, is it? Yeah, but again, I think Rose Ed, we, we know it represents the kind of, you know, furthest recesses of the ground. So I think I think Rose Ed is still acceptable. I remember on like uh, the old championship manager games, they used to use Rose Ed and those sort of quite, I don't know, that sort of quite neat language. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't have a problem with Rose Ed. I think it's fine. Um, I mean, you, you don't really hear it that much anyway. I mean, maybe... Because sometimes you'll hear it, you'll hear it in a sort of oh he sh- he should just boot that into Rosette. Um, I think that more of than you know sort of oh it's such a bad shot it's landed in Rosette. We've now we've mapped the modern football pitch, but there are there are so many more elements of the way we measure things, Charlie, that we need to get into because the language of football is slightly absurd when it comes to distances and ranges and and widths and that sort of thing. So, but we've touched on this already, and let's talk about space. And I want to play you a clip, first of all, to uh, tee all this up. This is um, 
Everton against Crystal Palace recently and co-commentator Rob Green. Goalkeepers are allowed to co-commentate now. Who knew? Um, maybe the goalkeepers union have finally struck a deal. But uh, this is what he had to say. Loves the bomb forward. All of a sudden's finding himself in an acre of space. Picks the wrong option a couple of times. Now... I don't think you can have a single acre of space. The whole point of the hyperbole is that you're supposed to pluralise it and say, imply that it's in a massive amount. But an acre yeah, is too specific. It's too You can't have one acre. Not having it. He's in an ocean of space. <laughs> a very specific ocean. Yeah. You're in the Indian Ocean of space. Yeah, that, that does seem um, to, to be a bit of a confusion of, of the purpose of using such hyperbolic mm. language it's kind of slightly unhelpful as well i mean i realize it's supposed to be deliberately kind of um, hyperbolic and not really supposed to know how big an acre is but i don't think a lot of people understand how big an acre is yeah well i around christmas time i was having a debate with someone about how big an acre is <laughs> and, uh, and, and did and did google it and um came up with a diagram showing what one acre of space is, which is just over half a length of a football pitch. Yeah, this is and I saved, I saved this photo and sent it to my friend. And then shortly afterwards, I think it was Raheem Sterling scored a goal where basically they, they had, it was a counter-attack after a corner, and he had an acre of space to himself and tweeted it within about one minute of the goal going in, which I, I then immediately realised looked really weird as if I'd just had this saved yeah, for years. Yeah, Whereas actually, it was just relevant to even more boring debate I was having. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, whereas the explanation makes perfect sense. I was, I was yeah. having a debate about how big an acre was around well, Christmas. It's, it's, it's an odd one because now looking at it, yeah, it's, it's an entire width of the pitch and it extends all the way just over the um, halfway line and just beyond the centre circle. So, Charlie, it's both a bigger area than I expected and also uh, smaller than I assumed an acre actually was. I mean, it's... Um, no, let me start that again. Charlie, it's bigger than, than the area that, it, that it's con, you know, consistently used to describe and yet smaller than what I thought an acre would be. So I'm really lost. I really don't know what to make of it. I guess it shows the need to use the hyperbolic acres because... Yeah, really take it beyond. Yeah, because then you are talking acres, then you're talking about, well, it's the whole pitch, which obviously is an exaggeration. But yeah, as Coxie proved, one acre is a plausible footballing scenario frankly ridiculous number of terms that we can use to describe space in football whether you use it or not coxie this is fantastic this is from butters fcl he says regarding measurement i i once heard a fan near me exclaim in frustration that the ball hadn't been passed to an everton player who was apparently in millions of space (laughs) (laughs) i I can kind of imagine that happening and and they immediately know Mm. but kind of just have to Act serious and act yeah. like they haven't said anything wrong. Would, I, I do like that. It would jar straight away as soon as it comes out of your mouth. Not keen. Um, but, Charlie, I think there's a good rule to, to stick by here, both verbally and in writing. It's oceans of room and it's acres of space. That's the rule. There is an extra dimension of space, particularly um, when it's so egregious on behalf of the uh, defending team that they allowed it to happen as the athletics dan barnes says could you please clarify the amount of space an unmarked goal scorer needs to have been granted to be given the freedom of stadium x 
Now, this is good. I this like is, the Freedom of Stadium yeah, X. Yeah, I think that's really good. And also because that varies a lot because free, the Freedom of Stadium X can be a sort of breakaway goal where he's just charged through, but it can also be a set piece. And how is it? How have they given him the Freedom the freedom of Stadium X? And he's just completely unmarked. He, he's got okay. all the, all, you know, all the time in the world. All the time in the world. actually, you know, to you know, to plant his head up past the keeper. So, so I think there, there is a bit of versatility with the freedom of Stadium X. It's, it's great, though, because the freedom of Stadium X, Coxie, this is where, this is where time and space collide and they, 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 they harmonise really well because it, it's not just the amount of space you've got. It's the time you've got to decide what you're going to do. He's, he's, he's got time to bring it down, pick his spot, um, you know, uh, and stick it into the corner and, it, and it's 3-1. Yeah, it's it's definitely control. And then there's a moment where I think the player can just look around and be like, wow, I have really got the freedom of Stadium X yeah. and then scores. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a three-part process for me. Coxie, let's talk yardages. I mean, briefly, do you find it slightly odd that imperial measurements have persisted in football? Yes and no. I mean, the pitch is very much measured in imperial. The goal is measured in imperial certainly in english i mean it, i think in germany the penalty is called an elf meter isn't it 11 meters so yeah we are we are committed to that and i kind of like i mean if someone says he scored from 25 meters no i know yeah i wouldn't oh, like it i definitely wouldn't yeah. i would get a picture mm-hmm. it and i wouldn't i mean the difference is presumably quite negligible but i no i completely agree it's um it's a tradition we, we would find very hard to shake off tom free the stones charlie says half a yard is the standard unit of measurement for a space that certain players always have the ability to find that others can't. It pace. Um, you could have half a yard of pace. And also close offsides that aren't actually that close at all. So half a yard is incredibly versatile little bit of space. It can be used in so many different circumstances. It really is the glue of vague footballing terms. Yeah, and, and often really good strikers will only need half a yard. Yeah. I, th- I think of Aguero. At this level. Yeah, this, this you level. Know, someone like Aguero, he just needs that that half yard and mm. and that's you know you're, you're done Edward Drummond Coxie says uh, he really likes the, the use of the word fully in very specific circumstances to do with yardages um, he's hit that from fully 30 <laughs> yards uh, but I also think you could add um, he's run fully 50 yards to get involved <laughs> that, the, the distance that a player runs and to be fair there is no range it is always 50 yards no matter how far they've run he's run 50 yards to get involved there no need no need love fully fully really rams home just how far and how spectacularly far something was yeah i particularly like it for goals and i think i've used it when i've almost paused to think about mm. how far it was out mm. he hit it from all of 30 yards <laughs> all, all of 35 yards, yards. every single one of them there's uh, also i mean in in terms of distance this is uh, slightly off piece but i remember a, a, about three years ago a Luton player scored, I think, from his own half. Mm. And there was this big thing on social media that he'd scored from a different postcode. Mm. <laughs> like, like literally a different postcode, which I'm not sure is how postcodes work. Um, but you two don't know how to you know, put a stamp on an envelope <laughs> or anything related to post. Yeah, maybe in Denmark they would use it. I don't know. Um, I, I know you're on the same page as me about this, Coxie, but um, uh, whenever you need guidance for how shot, how far a shot out is, um, using the lines of the grass to measure it. Thank, thank you, groundsman everywhere, because there is basically a standard measurement, and that's, what, six yards square 
three in the area and then you're just counting mm. you're counting them outside <laughs> the area and but generally it makes you quite underwhelmed by how far goals are out sometimes you think oh that was quite far out and then you, it, you know, it's sort of 23 and then you get the d involved and so i think oh it was only 22 yards or 24 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yards yeah. it was i thought it was more and you're quite underwhelmed because you want to write it and you want to be spe- really specific but it's uh yeah, but the whole thing is just ruined do you think anything yeah, under mean, 25 yards is not really an acceptable way to describe yes. the goal in yards? That's the starting point, yes. 25? I think that's a fair shout because anything, everything else is either edge of the box or just inside the box mm. and then you're into a different realm entirely. That's a very good point. I, describing goals, certainly in any context really, describing them as sort of a 22-yard drive is basically pointless, isn't it? Or actually, you know what? You would say like he's he scored from a yard out, like a dirt cow or something. If it's so close in, I think you might um, yeah. you might comment yeah. on the you know its its proximity to the goal. That's fine. That's fine. Absolutely. Other rather outdated units of measurement. I quite enjoyed this. Jonathan Turner says um, that shot was travelling at a rate of knots. He says this is the Andy Townsend scale of how fast a shot is going, although presumably not across the sea. Rate of knots. That seems very outdated. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, whenever you hear it, it's always very fast. Obviously, a rate of knots is very fast. And then when I was actually once driving a boat, I wondered (laughs) how fast it was. And one one mile an hour is 0.87 knots. Right. So it's it's roughly near enough one for one. This is a yard meter situation, isn't it? So it's just travelling at a rate of miles per hour. So so really, I mean, 10 knots is roughly... 10 miles now it's quite underwhelming mm. I, I don't know what I expected yeah. I don't know if it's just a rate of knots I always assumed was going to be really fast mm. all boats travelling anywhere are going really fast but it's not the case but then well, is not. it the is it the case Coxie that it feels like you're going quicker like presume did, did you feel if you were like 20 20 knots on a boat would that surely that would feel quicker than 20 miles an hour in say a car <laughs> I'm not sure it would to be honest just because you've got a, I don't know I was on quite a wide river but we're probably going off on <laughs> <laughs> Um, great, great stuff. Coxie, I really like this one. Simon Richardson writes and says, is on toast a measurement? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, definitely no. not. No, I'm, I'm glad he asked. No. Glad he asked. No. I mean, Charlie, I mean, you have settings on your toaster. So presumably a defender can be more or less on toast. Yeah, I, I like on toast though as well. Yeah. I also like because, you know, you'd say someone in a political setting, maybe like he's toast. Um, Being grilled. Yeah, so I, I I like that that crossover and and a player having a fullback on toast is just it's great to watch as well, it's isn't quite, it? Oh um, no, yeah. it's definitely one of the the finer in-game scenarios when it's abundantly clear that a fullback is being had on toast. Um, it, it's it's directly proportional to the uh, how torrid their time is, presumably. Mm. Torridness and toast very much the same setting on the dial. Definitely, and, uh, and, and yeah, is it, it? It's only really. Def- I mean, I think mainly fullbacks, but it's, it's defenders really who have torrid times, isn't it? I mean, or, or would you say a strikers having a torrid time? Striker can't have a torrid time. Yeah, no, that feels no, weird because you're having it done to you. Mm, you're yeah. not yeah. doing it. If you see what I mean, you mean, you mean not even not even experiencing it. You yeah, can't be going you have, through a torrid time. You have no, to be the object of the torrid time. Yeah, completely, completely agree. So I mean, to the point where you get sort of hauled off because you're having such a mare. That's that's how the that's peak torrid. I think a um, couple of uh, minor notes to take care of. Um, during the England-Albania game recently, ITV commentator Sam Matterface Charlie, and it, it got to the uh, 90th minute, and he rather breezily said that there was a quartet of minutes. <laughs> 
being added on. <laughs> Don't like it. A trio of minutes coming up. <laughs> yeah, that, that I reckon that's even worse. A trio of minutes. A quintet. Um, yeah, I, I've never heard that. What circumstances should you use quartet in football? I think it's for players who have done something bad in like La Manga or something. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe I, players I, I who have withdrawn from a squad. I think you can say midfield quartet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but yeah, I wouldn't have fine. defensive quartet. Weirdly, that's a back four. It's not a defensive quartet. I don't know why, but it's true. This mm. is really important. This is really important stuff. You should have a midfield quartet, but you definitely can't have a defensive quartet. You can have an attacking trio, Charlie. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you quartet as well? I mean, obviously, second mention that we've meant that we've talked about earlier in the podcast. Great quartet would be great. I think would would the Leicester was it four players? I can't even remember who had this. Uh, party and you know so you might oh, talk a quintet. about it was, was a it quintet? a quintet uh, yeah. that's a shame because otherwise I think you could I mean, legitimately do you include talk. the host I suppose you should because yeah was, I guess yeah, you'd yeah, have to yeah. I get yeah the quartet yeah. of guests who I was were... in my own house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count so yeah quartet plus Iosi Perez um you shouldn't go above quartet though in any context I think that's fair to say no that's that's yeah, showing just off. nonsense yeah it's definitely showing off talking of showing off this is where you have to show off your true knowledge the purest knowledge there is the purest football knowledge coxie knows about tactics charlie knows about tennis but what we really want to know is how much you know about premier league years this ladies and gentlemen is out of control now i guess this is this is a case of irresistible force meeting immovable objects i haven't prescribed either of you those particular roles yet but that's what i'm going to say charlie you you bleed Premier League years. I mean, yeah. it runs, it courses through your veins, but you're up against a man who's written about the history of the Premier League, essentially. I know. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. This is 48 seconds long, this clip. Here are the rules. The rules are, I want you to tell me which season of Premier League years this is from. The person who says the correct answer first is the winner. You may deliberate out loud if you wish. I, I encourage you to because it makes for better podcasting. But let's see... Let's see how you guys get on. Cue the clip. September's world news marked the death of Mother Teresa of... 9798. ...celebrated a life dedicated to religion and the world's needy. Sky Sports brought live coverage from Valderrama of Europe. Yeah, a bit of golf. There's always golf. Always golf. Love golf from Premier League. Absolutely. And uh, here was the final players who are flying right now. Three points here. They go top. Their manager on the back of a terrific start, picking up Roy Hodgson, Manager of the Month award. Yeah, I thought that. I thought all of that would have thrown you. I thought the Blackburn bit at the end would have thrown you. Maybe you would have gone for ninety four, ninety five, something like that. But no, I have hairs breadth. I think you. I mean, we may need to check the recording, but I think you got it by half the year. Uh, Sorry, half the season, just ahead of Coxie there. But yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight is correct. I was all. I almost went just from hearing Chumbawamba. Yes, I was that that confident, but I was like that. I would be mad at myself if I went on just that because sometimes they were out of sync it wasn't always the correct the music wasn't always it was num- lovely aligned it was number one in August 1997 yeah so, wow. so, so they've got it they've got it right so going into September is, is absolutely yeah. fine for its usage yeah definitely but I did I did fear Coxie that Chumbawamba was so of its year that you might get it straight away I mean if we were guessing a year rather than a season I, I, 
I agree. I think I would have buzzed in with 97 straight away, but you had to choose between the two. There was also a bit of, you know, you heard the death of, you thought you knew what was coming. <laughs> yeah. And then you related the two events. So there was a lot going on in a short period of time, but fair play to Charlie. Where were you when Mother Teresa died? Um, you know, where were you? The summaries of the news are very so few and far between. There's not many at all. People think it happens every month in every episode. It bloody doesn't, I'm telling you. No. And, and people who think that they sort of, they do a little sort of kind of segue between the news and the football. It's happened like twice ever. Well, it's funny, Adam, you say that because someone sent me recently or posted on a group one of those ones. And I obviously didn't have the heart to be like, well, actually, Adam has researched this. And the segues you're just you're you're laughing at don't was actually it Was happen. it Tony Blair uh, accepting the the role of prime minister and then saying, well, the Reds may have won the election, but the Blues <laughs> won the FA Cup final? And uh, mm. it's one of the most sort of um, really kind of opaque examples, but it really doesn't happen very often. So I'm mm. really having to dig deep. But that's all by the by, because Charlie, you have rescued your reputation. In yeah, what, one one v one now, isn't it? Yeah. After but, yeah. after that Nick Miller upset, which I'm still yeah, so gutted about. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, thanks for playing, Coxie. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, well, I think, I think we've covered it. We have quite literally covered every blade of grass today, which I'm really happy about. Um, <laughs> there's so much has come out of this chat that I would never have considered before and nobody will ever have heard before. So, uh, so I think for all of that, we should be highly grateful and we'll see you all next week. The Athletic. <laughs> 